You violated the law. It's the full preview podcast. UFC 286. Hello everyone, it's your boy Feño and we're back with a full preview. I'm pretty late, I know I'm pretty sick too, but we'll push through it. Uh, hopefully this turns out turns out alright. Uh, so yeah, UFC 286. Uh, the rematch between uh, Leon Edwards and Usman, they finished the trilogy after Edwards won the title via last-minute head kick in their first fight. This is happening at the O2 Arena in Transphobic Island. And the card is actually pretty good, so... Yeah, without, without much to say, let's get into it. As usual, we're going by the order of topology, from bottom to top, starting with the very first prelim, to the main, to the main event. I'm drinking Rain Energy Drink today. The flavor is Orange Dreamcycle. Dreamcycle. I'm not sure how to say that, but it fucking sucks. So, so yeah, let's let's get into the first fight. Uh, we have Veronica Hardy, formerly known as Veronica Macedo, fighting Juliana Miller, who was the winner of the of the Ultimate Fighter. So Hardy, uh, she has a, take, a taekwondo background. She's dynamic and aggressive, a southpaw. She uses her athleticisms well on the ground too. She's an agile scrambler, dangerous with the armbar. Uh, the problem with her is that she seems to fight at, at an unsustainable pace, throws heavy strike hard, and her defense is too reliant on distance. Similarly on the ground, she can get stuck in positions if she cannot create space with her explosions. And Miller, uh, she's very long and stiff. She has good timing, fights behind a long jab. Defense is very lacking, but the distance helps because she fights behind that long jab. As I said, she's pretty long herself. So she can see shots coming a lot before hitting her, even though her, her defense is not very good. She's very strong in the clinch. Uh, with the knees especially, she uses her levers pretty well for knees. And the takedowns, and once she gets in, in top position, she's very solid from there, uh, both with control and ground pound. Uh, Hardy could surprise early with her speed and power, maybe even during a scramble early, especially. Uh, but other than that, the longer the fight goes, the better for Miller, who has a more reserved and sustainable toolset. Seems to be more well rounded, and I think she gets a late stoppage on the ground. So, Miller by Tiki Own. Round three is my pick here. The next one is lightweight. Uh, very fun, striking matchup. We have Jai Herbert versus Ludovic Klein. Herbert, very long for the weight class. Uh, he circles on the outside looking for quick one-twos and roundhouse kicks on all three levels. Uh, he has counter knees, counter knees and check hooks to offer a barrier for fighters trying to close the distance. Pretty quick hands in the pocket, but the head can be a bit, a bit too stationary. He's pretty solid in the clinch, good positioning and head control, can land knees and elbows, um, not a lot of volume in the clinch though. On the ground, his, his defensive guard can be tricky because of his length. He can find get-ups from awkward positions. The top control is not very remarkable, but the ground pound is dangerous if he is allowed to posture up and rain down. And on the other hand, we have Klein, uh, stocky and powerful karate based softball, all about the left kick in all levels. Maintains a very long distance despite his height, now he's not very tall for the weight class. And looks to score with big kicks and counter with rapid fire combinations when the opponents get inside. Uh, he tries to go angle going back but doesn't really move his head. He compensates for it with very quick and heavy hands. Uh, not much of a boxer but for sure a puncher. Uh, he's physically imposing, grab clinches defensively, that's one of the, the good things that he does defensively. He has very strong hips and, and other hooks, and that helps him stay on the feet. He's a dynamic scrambler, but lacks polish on the ground. Has trouble maintaining top position and land ground and pound at the same time. He usually is like just stalling or just posturing up a losing position. 
but he's pretty good at generating space to get back to his feet. Uh, the problem is that he's vulnerable to mad returns because it's easy to grab a, like a back body lock on him when he's getting up. Herbert can snipe with the hands from long range, but he gotta be careful with Klein's uh, left leg from there. If Klein pushes forward, he gotta watch out for the knees and the check hook, as I said earlier. I feel like whoever gets the counter more effectively is going to win this fight. It will be interesting to see uh, who, if anyone, pressures here. I feel like Herbert can probably score for most of the fight, but Klein can make up for the reach with his long kicks and blistering speed. Uh, that and the power makes me side with Klein on this one, so I'm tentatively picking Klein by decision. And the next one is a flyweight bout between Joan Wood, formerly known as Joan Calderwood, against Luana Carolina. So, uh, Jojo. She's an upright kickboxer with an amateur Muay Thai background. She fights mostly behind the lead leg and the jab. That's like one of the most interesting things about her game is her lead, lead leg game. She has a variety of kicks from there. And a stepping jab allows her to set up the right hand. Uh, usually, uh, last the right hand switching, uh, that can be good and can be bad. It, it allows her to close distance as she's not very fleet-footed, but at the same time leaves, leaves her vulnerable to counters. She's very good at ending combinations with the left body kick, uh, especially catching fleeing opponents. She's good at setting up elbows and knees from the clinch from a variety of grips. You can, the, the Muay Thai background there re really shines. And she has like decent footwork there too. The problem with Jojo is that she's very vulnerable to hooks because she stands so wide and doesn't have a lot of like uh, proactive head movement. Uh, she, he, she can't sleep shots, but she get, she has to be very focused on it. And most of the time, she relies on like fading back. But as as her feet are not very mobile, she can get surprised with that. Uh, the slow reactions that she has also harm her defending takedowns and during scrambles. She's a solid uh, grappler, but the, the slow reactions can be very costly for her, especially when she's trying to get back to, his, to her feet. She can, be, uh, she can expose her back, not very explosive during scrambles, uh, but she's strong from top position, has decent ground account. Uh, on the other hand, we have Carolina. She's very big and long for the weight class. Uh, I would describe her as a power kickboxer. This would be a matchup between like someone that did a pretty traditional version of Muay Thai in in JoJo against like the the Brazilian Muay Thai, like the kickboxing with knees and elbows that is very common from Brazil. Uh, so Carolina switches stances, look to kick big, close distance with the one-two. Uh, not very good at controlling the clinch, but She's a decent at finding spot for knees and elbows. She's physically strong. The takedown defense is pretty lacking though, but she can reverse position uh, uh, mistakes using her athleticism. The grappling I would describe as serviceable, from both from top and bottom, not, not a lot to write home about there. And she's not particularly good at getting up. So this one is Carolina. Is big, is long, and it's a puncher, thus always being trouble for Jojo. Uh, the fact that she will uh, at least be able to compete at kicking range and in the clinch make this one a tough one for for our, our Scottish fighter. Jojo is a lot clever on the feet and in the clinch, but Carolina brings size and physicality to make that for it. Uh, Wood is also probably the better grappler. Technically, at least, but in the case of an MMA fight, I think I trust the quicker Carolina more there, too. Uh, probably a close one. I would really like to pick Jojo here, but I don't know. Seems like a rough matchup. I mean, it's it's a complicated matchup for both fighters, but the trajectory that their their careers are going, I think I, I got to go with the more physically imposing fighter here. Um, I'm picking Carolina by decision. And with that, we move, uh, we stay in flyweight, but this time with the guys, it's Jake Hadley versus Malcolm Gordon. So Hadley um, is a quick-handed boxer. He looks to jab and hide behind a high elbow guard to counter with the right hand, attacks the body constantly, sprinkles well with well-placed low kicks, and that like completes his stand-up game. He can be surprised with takedowns, especially because he fights behind such a high guard 
but he's very quick to look for guard attacks to either hunt for submission or generate space to work his way up. If his initial motion is stalled, he can be stuck in bottom position, and if his guard attacks are denied, he tends to turtle and be vulnerable to match returns. And on the other hand, we have Gordon. Uh, Gordon fights at a frenetic pace. Uh, he pressures behind, along, uh, behind long strikes on the feet, uh, often losing position uh, with his foot, uh, trying to transition to the legs. He's very messy doing that. Uh, he can be sidestep and, and give his back to big strikes, but he's pretty real and relentless pushing forward. He has decent pop in his punches, and he can carry that pop late, but the footwork can become a, a big problem. Like He looks to push forward, but he doesn't really have a lot of like uh, pressure in footwork, and as I said, he loses position when he blitzes. Uh, the good thing about Gordon is that he can finish takedowns from the legs and from the clinch. Uh, he's pretty physically strong and big for, for the weight class. He goes for a lot of shots, even risking getting reversed or losing position. He trusts a lot. Uh, he has a lot of trust in his grappling. He has a good mix of BJJ and, and wrestling, and, and that makes him very hard to hold down or get ground and pound going against him. He's very keen on taking risks for the top position. He will go for submissions and back takes and will try to finish very quick, sometimes even rushing the finishes, so he can end up on his, on his back sometimes. Uh, he's a very chaotic fighter, but it's, it's a very tough outing. I think this fight really comes down to how he's staying on his feet. He has a clear advantage on the striking, we see, but we've seen him getting stuck in bottom position before. What makes me side with Hadley in this one is that Gordon takes like way too many risks in all areas. And if Hadley can stay composed here, he can get his pressure going. Um, he can deny the chaotic entries and the pace of Gordon because he has the cleaner footwork. He's a more damaging striker. Gordon is a submission threat from, from the start to the end of the fight and can fight pretty well tired, even though the pace can get out of hand for him. But I think I trust Hadley's boxing here and the process overall to carry him to a knockout on the second round. That's the final pick. And the next one is a middleweight bout, uh, the debut of Christian Leroy Duncan against Dosko Todorovic. So Duncan, uh, very agile and athletic. He's like a dynamic kicker from distance. I don't know if he has like a taekwondo or karate background, but it seems like to me, like that to me. He faces a lot to create like immediate setups. He's not a guy that is going to like kick your leg to set up the high kick. It's, it's all about like the big feint to set up the, the big movement immediately in the moment. He has a big variety of kicks and flashy attacks. Not much of a boxer, but a decently big puncher. Like he's very athletic. He can put his weight behind his punches. He can be styling the clincher on the ground because he relies a lot on explosions to get out has decent top control, but goes to submission a bit too much for my liking. Um, and he has very good cardio, and I would say that's his best asset, because he fights with a lot of dynamism, and you would expect someone like that to get tired. But until now, it has seemed like the cardio holds up late into fights. And opposed to him, we have Todorovic. He stands super tall and awkward stance, I would say. Looks to walk to walk forward behind punching blitzes to close into the clinch, where he's a competent dirty boxer. That's uh, one underrated aspect of his game, I would say. Uh, he's a good clinch fighter too. Uh, good hooks to the head and body as a response to collar ties. And he can land elbows and knees from his own collar ties when he gets them. He's also decent at grabbing wrist control. Um, can level change or get takedowns from the body lock. He has a versatility with his wrestling game, even if he's not very refined. Um, he's at his most dangerous from from top position, especially from mount. Uh, I would say mount is his most consistent winning scenario. He's good at the arm triangle, uh, flowing back and mount between the mount and the back control, and the ground and pound from mount and the control from mount is like where he usually finishes fights. I think uh, Dusko Tolorovic has a clear path to victory here. Uh, get consistent work in the clinch, get takedowns, get to mount. Duncan, on the other hand, is dynamic, can't scramble, so it's hard to tell if he gets stuck or hurt in those positions because we haven't seen him fight this level of opposition yet. 
I feel like Dusko is actually the safe pick here. But for some reason, um, I'm trusting Duncan on speed and athleticism. I don't think he's a particularly like great fighter, but I think in this matchup, uh, we've seen like Dosko is the the defense is pretty suspect and against someone that can punch this big and doesn't seem to get tired, can scramble. I think it's a it's a rough matchup. It's it's a pretty well pretty well match fight. Uh, one of the few ones in this car, I think, where the English fighter is getting like a, an adequate level of opposition. Uh, anyone's fight, um, taking the risk, picking Duncan by second round knockout on this one. We go down to Featherweight, where we have Leron Murphy making his return against the debuting Gabriel Santos. So Murphy, athletic switch tense fighter, well-rounded can do a bit of everything, but the boxing is primarily the thing that he uses to score. He has a long jab and feints, and that allows him to set up combinations and kicks. Uh, the spacing is, uh, he has very good spacing, and that's his first layer of defense, but he's also good at hiding behind his shoulder, framing and launching counters, so he has a bit of a, a decent process going on defensively. He's a good grappler, but he's vulnerable to, to back body locks and mad returns because he relies a lot on turtling to get back to his feet. Uh, the ground and pound is very big from top position, and he's a decent wrestler, and he has great cardio, so he's like a very complete package going on. Uh, primarily, the boxing is like his main tool, but he can do a, a bit of everything, including like kicking, wrestling, defending. And on the other hand, we have Santos. Uh, he pushes forward behind kicks, and... Um, he faints a lot with the lead hand and the level changes. He's at his best when he's countering. Seems to have a, like an answer to most strikes. Like when he gets he gets hit, that he throws back on the trigger immediately, even while being kick. Even when he's getting hit, when he's getting like punched in the face or kicking the legs, he returns immediately with counters. Either way, he doesn't freeze when he's getting attacked. He can duck under for singles and double legs, but he's not a not a particularly great finisher with with his wrestling. But he uses that like to control the pace of the fight. Uh, if he gets top control, he's actually pretty good from there. Uh, pretty good top control, and the back take is very slick. This should be a very exciting bout between like willing and well-rounded strikers. I think I gotta give the edge to Murphy here, who has the better defense, takes better control of the initiative with his own feints. And I think he's the more physical of the two. Uh, both are pretty athletic, but I think I give the edge to Murphy there too. So if they gauge in the clinch or on the ground, I think Murphy is going to be stronger, a bit more technically too. Uh, picking Murphy by decision, very excited for this one. And we're back to flyweight again. Uh, we have Mohamed Mokayev fighting the debutant Jaffel Filio. So Mokayev. He pressures with flashy strikes, strikes on the feet, uh, mostly a variety of kicks. He's very willing to throw like spinning shit and that kind of stuff, uh, side kicks a lot too. Uh, he usually looks to get his opponent against Cage there, and once there, he's like a relentless and versatile wrestler. He has a mix of leg attacks and clinch throws, uh, seamless transitions from one to the other. He's long and strong for the weight class. He can achieve control in a variety of positions, but he usually tends to favor like rights, usually with wrist control. Very good at bad returns, especially from the back body lock. Has trouble putting together ground and pound while maintaining control. That's one of the big criticisms that people have against Mokayev. Like sometimes he has these very like dominant like control-based decisions where he doesn't do a lot of damage at all. Uh, but he has a pretty good uh, sense to when to go for submissions as he has a very good arsenal of submissions. Uh, maybe the finishes are not as clean right now, but that's where he's most dangerous, I would say. He can get re reverse during the sub attempts, as I said, because he's not as clean going for those. And that's where he looks at his most vulnerable, like put on his back we saw in, in his last fight against Gordon. Uh, he has good attacks from his back, but he has get stuck in bottom position if he's denied the opportunity to wrestle from his knees. I mean, he has like an armbar triangle series that what I've seen in his fights that he's pretty good at. But mostly what he wants to do is like to get to a single leg to get back up. So that's where there are some windows of opportunity for, for opponents to make something happen. 
Otherwise, he's very relentless with the wrestling and not a lot of fighters seem to have an answer for that. And on the other hand, we have Filio. Uh, he's not very polished on the feet, but he can put like good combinations together with decent power. Uh, you can tell he has like, uh, like a dodge kickboxing school in there, especially the left hook. And, and he put trade kicks with uh, the combinations with kicks, excuse me, at the end. He mostly also like to like push people back to the to the cage and then change levels into the clinch. And he's like pretty strong with the body lock and he will start hunting for takedowns there. He's patient and he's strong. He's also big for the weight class. Uh, he has a, a variety of finish. He's not like a very polished wrestler, but but he knows uh, like he has like lifts from from the from the body lock and also trips from there. He also likes to swim to the back and try to, to get these takedowns from the back body lock. Uh, he's a dangerous submission hunter on the ground, but I, I think he gets involved in too much scrambles. He, he could go uh, for a bit more of control. Uh, but at the same time, that style allows him to be like very hard to control, to control on the ground. Uh, he seems to have answers to like most positions, like he can go for the legs from a lot of like strange positions. He's a very good scrambler. And the back take is like the where he's at his most dangerous. Uh, Filio has a few interesting looks for this fight. Uh, the power in his hands, the scrambling ability, and the back takes all are, are all things that we've seen uh, can trouble Mokayev here and there. Uh, he can replicate some of the stuff that Gordon did in his last fight, but he does not have the the relentless like pressure and chaos that Gordon brings to the table. So I still expect Mokai to win this one. He's the better athlete. Uh, the top pressure and the wrestling positions uh, might be like too much. I think Filio can compete in the grappling, can compete in the striking, but when it comes to a straight up wrestling, I see, I think Mokayev is the, the superior fighter. So I'm picking Mokayev by decision here. Uh, next one is a lightweight bout between both debutants. We have the English Sam Patterson against the Israeli Janal Ashmos. So Peterson is very tall and long. Uh, he's like 6'2", 6'3", I don't know, he's fucking huge. Uh, likes to attack with long 1-2s uh, and leg kicks. Sometimes he frames off his punches to attack with knees and kicks, that's, that's kind of cool. He seems to me like very vulnerable to overhands. Uh, he mostly wants opponents to close the distance, to fade back in an angle and try to land the, the straight the, the straight rear hand. He's pretty good with that, uh, very straight and dangerous punch. He has a very good sprawl uh, and from there he can transition to his headlock game, that, that's usually where he finishes fights. He has a good series of like guillotine, power guillotine and darts. And he's also good at taking the back and threatening the, the rear naked choke arm triangle changeup. So that's like his whole game, he stands very tall, he maintains a long distance. If you close the distance, he can go for knees, for rebels. And if you try to take him down, he will sprawl and try to, to make it to the front headlock. And Ashmus, on the other hand, um, is a well-rounded fighter. He's decently athletic and powerful, but I think he's a bit on the stiff side, on the, especially on the feet. The striking game is, I would describe as disjointed because at long range, he has like these big powerful kicks, but on the inside, he's all about like short hooks and doesn't have a lot of like connection between those two like separate games that he has going on in his striking. Uh, he's a decent and strong wrestler. He will try to time takedowns in between exchanges, or he will like just push people against the cage and just uh, drop levels. He can finish both with legs attacks and in the clinch. He's good at like grabbing singles and tripping the other leg and finding like uh, like hip throws and trips from the over-unders in the clinch too. And when, when he gets people down, um, his, his, best, like, his best position is like stacking people against the cage, either from half guard or full guard, and throw like very big ground and pound. That's like him at his best. And he's also good at using rights and hitting bad returns too. Uh, Patterson needs to be careful of hitting something big because Ashmus um, uh, is pretty athletic as I said, he can throw with power. Uh, 
Patterson doesn't really move his head, so I've seen him like eat a lot of overhands by people before. Uh, but other than that, this seems like a forgiving matchup for him, as he can probably like just enforce his 1-2 into counters games against Ashmus that because Ashmus is stocky, has the big kicks but not a lot else to close the distance, so if he tries to go for takedowns, I think Patterson will probably like just angle and hit the one two or ha will have plenty of time to get to to his to the sprawl that he likes so much. Unless Ashmus gets to find consistent success with the wrestling, I would say Patterson by unanimous decision is the pick here. We stay at lightweight. We have Chris Duncan versus Omar Morales here. So Duncan, well-rounded, very tough, looks to pressure steadily. Uh, I think he's at his best when he's working behind the jab. He can slip shots looking for right hands and timing like very heavy kicks. He's a bit like on the slower side for the division. Uh, he can get sloppy closing distance because he can lose stance or like do irresponsible switches. But he's very tough and physically strong. He can look for takedowns against the cage, deliver ground and pound from half guard and full guard, especially, especially if he has the opponent trap against the cage. Just uh, like meat and potatoes, very tough guy. And on the, on the other hand, we have Morales. He's a clean kickboxer. He can pressure an outfight, but I think he's more comfortable at neutral space. He tends to be low volume. I think he's at his best when he fights the jab too, so very interesting there to see who establishes the jab here. Uh, the right hand is loopy but very quick. Uh, he is very dexterous, uh, a very dexterous kicker. Uh, he can throw like sneaky high kicks from both sides and very powerful body and leg kicks. Um, he can time them naked in open space or he can end combinations with them. Especially the high kick is very tricky at the end of combinations. Morales has good footwork during exchanges but the, the ring craft is lacking a little bit, he can be pushed to the cage uh, a little bit too easy. He grabs defensive clinches when he's cornered, and I think he, the problem with him is he's a bit of an overthinker. He can have lapses of inactivity and can make mistakes, especially getting up from, from the ground. He's a decent wrestler, but he's a bit inactive in the clinch, and the top control I described just as serviceable. I think Morales is the better striker of the two, and uh, has a, a pretty noticeable like speed advantage too. Duncan can turn this one into a dogfight and mix the takedowns, the pressure, the volume, all things that can make Morales very uncomfortable here. And I think Duncan winning that way is the smart choice here. I just have this feeling that Morales is cleaner, faster, uh, Duncan is hitable. I think him like make mistakes and like Morales can compete everywhere he just needs like to get the head game together it's very hard to pick a fighter based, based on of that that's why I think Duncan is the, the safest choice but I'm going by I'm going with Morales by decision next one is a featherweight bout we have the debut at the division of Jack Shore he faces Mr. Finland Maquan Americani so Jack Shore uh, very well-rounded an MMA native Fights a, a range with a long jab and kicks, sneaky with the lead left leg. Uh, he can throw with very little no, uh, with very little to no wind up to the head to the body. Yeah, Short can be hitable upstairs at range, as he his head stays pretty much on the center line, especially at long range. But once he gets to the pocket, he likes to start combos with jab and follow with hooks and uppercuts, and there he works himself pretty well behind a high elbow or behind his shoulders, a little bit of head movement there. So, one of those fighters that once he once he gets into the pocket has better defense than in open space. Uh, he's pretty dangerous with both the left hook, and he has a very tight rear. Uh, uh, right hook from the rear side that it's not very common in MMA so that makes him dangerous in the pocket Chor is a versatile wrestler does more of his work from body locks finishing takedowns with trips and throws he's a very good scrambler always creating space with butterfly hooks and the hip, and he has decently hip, decently heavy ground and pound and on the other hand we have Americani a southpaw wrestler at operates at distance with kicks and a deceptively dangerous sweeping right hook that he uses as his go-to counter. 
The thing with Americani is that he's not a pressure wrestler. He mostly like likes to hang out in open space and waiting for the opportunity. And when that presents, he drops for for a single leg most of the time, and then he can start chain wrestling from there. Uh, especially on his first attempt, he's incredibly tenacious. Uh, he usually finishes entry with a. He goes for the single leg, but usually has transition from there. Uh, he mostly trans, uh, ends the, the takedown with a high crush lift, or then he just climbs up to the to the body lock from the single leg. And he has like a very big bar- variety of throws, uh, like judo stuff, suplexes, very strong. He has flow with top control. Usually looks for t- uh, to setups for for his front front headlock game, where he can be very dangerous. Uh, he has the the guillotines, the the anaconda more than the dars. And he can also look uh, for ground and pound from, from rights or take the back. The, the problem with Americani is that he usually fades super back after, uh, super hard after the fifth round because he goes so hard for that first takedown. And he, he's not economic. Like, his mat returns are fucking huge. He will go for suplex, for lat drops, for that kind of stuff. And he will usually tire. Uh, I think this one is pretty straightforward. Uh, maybe Americani's size will be a bit too much for Shore. I mean, Shore move, moved up because he was too big for 135, but Americani is a big boy, strong too. Uh, I think the most likely scenario is that Shore will use his fundamental grappling and his scramble ability to weather the heavy wrestling storm for first round Americani. And after that, he will probably be able to put his striking together, even his wrestling of his own. I think Shore gets a late finish, um, banking on a TKO on round three. And with that, we're finally at the main card. The opener is a middleweight bout. Former teammates, I mean not teammates, but they have trained together at Extreme Couture. We have uh, Marvin Vettori. He faces off against Roman Dolitze. Vettori. Meat and potatoes all around their southpaw. At range, he's all about the one-two. Feints and hand fights. And, and maintain distance and look to step deep with the one-two. Uh, decent, speed as, decent speed and power, but I think his punching technique uh, does him a disservice. Uh, stealing a lot of the power with the rear hand. I think a, a guy that big and athletic should be a lot more dangerous with the rear hand. Um, he has long uppercut from both hands and hard roundhouse, hard roundhouse kicks and stepping knees and that adds like a variety at range and gives him more options other than just the one two. He's physically strong, he can shoot on people, he can finish the double or the single leg or push people to the cage. Uh, on the cage in the clinch mostly a staller, uh, but he can find like good knees and elbows and drop levels into a, another attempt at the double leg. Uh, I think Bedori is a solid wrestler, both defensively and offensively. His best asset is that he doesn't stop working after the first move when it comes to grappling. Um, we've seen him, like, people get deep shots in him, especially Jack Hermanson. Uh, sometimes, like, getting to getting him to his butt, to his knees, and Bedori just, like, keeps working. Same with his wrestler. He's not a very technical wrestler, but he changed wrestlers, like, very tenaciously. Uh, Bettori also has like very solid BJJ fundamentals. Um, we've seen him rush positions when he's like behind on the scorecards, especially that caused him against Adesanya. But when he's like doing his stuff, you can tell he has a very good foundation on technical grappling. And his opponent is Tolitze. Uh, he's raw but very powerful on the feet. Not much in the way of defense other than distance and throwing back hard. Uh, I don't think Dolitza like fighters moving around him. I think Hermanson frustrated him a lot with that. Now Dolitza has a pretty good level change despite being so tall into double legs. Uh, he can either finish those or drive people against the cage, you know, the drill. Uh, he's very strong in the clean. Can time dangerous knees and elbows, but... He usually like commits to the body lock, looking to muscle people down with takedowns. Uh, he's not great at establishing control from takedowns, I think, because the finish from his takedowns are very lagging. So people usually like can like scoot back to the cage and walk walk and that kind of stuff. But if he gets to sell in top position, the ground and pound is very very heavy. Uh, he's good at passing and taking the back. 
The most interesting part of the Odyssey team is his scrambling, especially from his back. If you take him down and he gets to full guard, he's relentless creating space with elbows. And then he uses that pressure to, to force people into making rush, rush decisions. He has a lot of options from there, but the thing that Dolice mostly does from his back is create space with the elbows, threaten with the armbar triangle, and then when you step to defend those, he transitions to the legs and vice versa. He's very dangerous with that. And when he gets to the leg, he's very good at finishing both with heel hooks and knee bars. And he can scramble to stop position too. Uh, of his submission attempts, so the flow chart for Dolitsa once he gets going in the ground is huge. I think Dolitsa clearly has the dynamism to end this fight, especially because Marvin doesn't do a lot of like big picture adjustments. Uh, he he will like change a tactic here and there, but he, uh, Marvin is not a guy that is going to change game plans mid fight. So that will give like Dolitsa a lot of opportunity opportunities for himself to make adjustments to get to a finishing scenario. That being said, I think Vettori is a really big step up in competition for him, as he is like the most well-rounded and better, and better put together fighter that Dolitza has faced, and also like athletic and big. Uh, King's MMA usually comes with very decent game plans most of the time, so even if Dory doesn't adjust mid-fight, he, he will come well prepared to this fight and also he knows Dolice. The, uh, obviously that can play both ways, maybe Dolice has a few like uh, grappling tricks in his sleeve to, to pull off on this one. But I think Dory has the clear edge on the feet and has never been finished in MMA. And he has been fighting like very dangerous fighters both on the ground and on the feet even earlier in his career when he was losing uh, grappling matches to to the likes of like Carlos Zapato and Mutanch, uh, he was still win uh, he was never going getting submitted. And on the feet, we saw him like getting huge shots by Adesanya, by Whitaker. He still pulled through. So I think Batori by decision is going to be my pick on this one. And we're with a flyweight bout between former title contender Jennifer Maya facing off against the the prospect. Casey O'Neill, that is back after a year of inactivity. So Jennifer Maya, uh, a well-rounded veteran. On the feet, she's primarily a boxer, moves side to side behind a high guard. He jabs to keep volume, but she's really all about the right hand. She wants to either sleep or roll with the first shot that she gets back and answer backs with volume. Um, she always like answers with two to four punches, but the thing is that during combinations, she's always looking to land like one big right hand. She has decent foot footwork on the outside, but usually has trouble with like feints and long range attacks. Uh, front kicks and leg kicks add variety and volume to her game. She's strong in the clinch, trips and hip throws against the gauge are usually like the takedowns that she gets from there. Good top control, smothering, good at using the gauge to her advantage too. Um, when she gets taken down, she can generate scrambles with butterfly hooks from the bottom, but if you like deny that initial scramble, the scramble, she can get stuck in bottom position. That's something that we see a lot in, in MMA. Like fire, the meta now is like stopping that fierce movement and just put people back uh, flat on their backs. Uh, her opponent is O'Neill. She pressures behind the jab. Uh, Pretty decent pressure in footwork. She's aggressive but lacks a lot of depth on the feet, I would say, especially defensively. She can put combos together but doesn't move her head. If she's swarmed, she usually goes for the clinch as a defensive uh, tool. And there she's pretty good at finding color ties and digging very good knees to the mix section. Uh, when she's leading, uh, she will crash into the clinch uh, against the fence to look for body lock takedowns. She's a very good grappler, O'Neill. Uh, from her back, uh, we've seen her taken back a little bit before, but she's very aggressive, uh, using the threat of submission to create a spade or reverse. And once it's top position, the ground and pound and control is like very heavy, and she has this good mix of like flow and control where she can tell that 
she won't be able to hold the, her opponent in, in that position, so she will move to the next one. But at the same time, she can like attack attack pose or the wrist to sell people there. So yeah, she's very interesting from top position. The problem is that she's just a decent wrestler, not a great one. I think this is the biggest test of Casey's career so far. Uh, Maya is not only the best mix of like well-rounded and physicality that she has faced, but but also like it's a it's a tricky matchup as she can compete with O'Neill pretty much anywhere, everywhere. <laughs> O'Neill's aggressiveness and pressure should give her the edge here, especially if she gets on top position. But on the other hand, Maya can for sure find her big right hands as O'Neill head is there for the taking. And Maya herself won't be a sitting duck in the clinch or top on board position. Uh, Maya needs to avoid like getting flat on her back uh, at all costs. That's the game plan here. I was very close to picking Maya, but I think the X factor here is that Casey has very good gas tank and durability, and Maya is getting like up there in age and experience. So it's it's hard. I mean. It's very hard. I mean, I, this fight could go to anyone. I don't think uh, the, the O'Neill pick is a lock. Um, but I'm still picking here on this one. Uh, O'Neill by decision is my final pick. And it's welterweight time. The return of Gunnar Nelson against the always active Brian Barbarina. So Nelson, you know the drill, a bouncy karate fighter. Good at exploding with rear side attack speed, uh, the straight like reverse karate punch or the or our pretty good variety of rear side kicks. Uh, he has good timing and spacing. He's good at creating change-ups with the different attacks. Uh, as he, he makes sure that most of his initial motions are similar. Uh, Guni can be open for counters during blitzes. That's been a thing during his career, especially when he prolongs combinations as he doesn't move his head at all. He disguises level changes with his bounces of his stance. Uh, his takedowns entries just like add up to the to the existing changeups of kicks and punches. As it all it all looks very similar. Uh, he has a very good quick uh, quick level change that allows him to finish uh, a double leg if he times it well. A pretty good finish on the double leg, like he turns the corner pretty quick. And if he fails with uh, the initial double, he can grab a single, work his way up to the clinch where he has like the judo stuff going on, body lock, he has trip, he has throws. Uh, on the ground, uh, very good fire, but mostly uh, like a back take specialist. Uh, Nelson can find the back from multiple positions. Especially good at finding like immediately after takedowns when people are trying to like regroup, get back to their feet, he will just attack. Um, he has very dexterous hooks and he can reverse position uh, from, I mean, he, he can get the back and establish dominance from there from a lot of weird positions that you would not expect a lot of people to get to. Uh, his dexterous legs allow him to maintain a tight body triangle and he's good at finishing both traditional rear naked chokes and also neck cranks. So he's very, very tough guy to have on your back. And Barbarina frantically pays southpaw, faints a lot of from distance to bait exchanges. What he wants is for you to throw. And once in the pocket, he throws a bunch of volume, mixing up filler shots with hard ones. That's one of his best qualities. Uh, Reminds me a little bit of like old school Nick Diaz with that. He has an active jab that allows him to be very active and annoying and in when he gets inside without exerting much energy. So despite the insane volume, he doesn't tire a lot. Uh, once he gets into the pocket, he's very good at setting body shots and elbows, uh, usually with the hand fight or keeping you busy with the jab upstairs. Uh, if you get into the clinch with him, a lot of annoying pot shots that that can be good or bad. Sometimes he forgoes defending the takedowns for that, but he also like makes people like think twice before moving to positions. If he gets space, he can frame and land, and land very big elbows. He's very good at that. The defensive wrestling of Barbarina is decent but not great, but he works very hard at getting back to his feet. Uh, the chin, the durability and the conditioning 
are what makes Barbarina the danger, dangerous fighter he is. It's insane the 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 pace that he can push and the damage that he can take. Uh, Nelson's best shot here is to find the back during a transition. Um, that's how uh, Dos Anjos found the back in, in his fight against Barbarina. Barbarina is a solid grappler and defender of submissions, but as I said, his habit of immediately targeting again after takedowns is exactly what Gunnar Nelson takes advantage of in his fights. Also, Nelson uh, maintains a pretty long distance, and that can be trouble for Barbarina because Barbarina really wants to get to the pocket, but usually like just baits people like throwing first. Uh, it, it would be interesting to see what what his adjustments are going to be when Gunnar Nelson doesn't stay in the pocket very much. Uh, but I think Barbarina and this one needs to replicate a lot of what his teammate Rick Story did like eight plus years ago in his fight against Gunnar Nelson. Um, obviously, like Nelson has done some improvements, but a lot of the dynamics are still there. So the, the thing for Barbarina is like denying takedowns, extending exchanges, making it dirty on the clinch, like make him uncomfortable overall and like start putting the base on him and exploit the, the lack of like defense in the pocket and comfort in those areas. Seems like a very close matchup. I, I think either guy can get to do like the thing that they always do and win. So it's it's compelling in that sense. I'm leaning Barbarina to win a decision after a scary first round on this one. So Barbarina by decision. And it's time for the co-main event. And I lo I'm sure a lot of people are waiting for this one even more than for the main event. Because this one is going to be crazy. Justin Gagey, the highlight against Rafael Fisiv. It's going to be fireworks. So Gagey, uh, he used to be a, a relentless pressure fighter. But nowadays, he mostly assumes the role of a boxer puncher in neutral space. He likes to counter with his right hands, uh, be it off slips or rolls, and then he can stand combinations from there. Usually looking to end with the left hook, pretty good at like closing the door, as we say. He lands vicious leg kicks inside the pocket after slipping shots or off the of the hand fighting. He's very crafty with with those like very close quarter leg kicks. He's going to the to the calf nowadays, and he's very damaging with that. When Gage is leaving, he puts like combat compact combos together, trying to land uppercut or hooks. He can end combinations with leg kicks too. Uh, the defense is good. Um, the high guard, especially from Gage, is pretty good. He's good at rolling with punches, sleeping, and, and taking an angle before looking for his counters. The big issue for for Gage on the feet is overreacting defensively and overthrowing offensively. Uh, because both can put him in danger. We've seen him like, uh, like do like very big reactions to take very big reactions to fainted takedowns or the kind of stuff. And also like when he gets he feels pressures, he can throw like very hard and miss big. So yeah, those are dangerous. Um, Gage is very strong in the clinch, but nowadays he mostly uses like defensively, like to take a pivot and create distance. He mostly like just wants to like put his boxing combinations together, something like leg kicks at space. Uh, Justin uh, Gagey was a very decorated wrestler, and he chose with his scrambling ability. It's very very hard to take down. Uh, even if you get like a clean shot, he will he will not stop moving once the once the takedown is complete. He will work to get back to his feet. He has a lot of options from there. Um, we see him in the past, like rolling, grambling round, fat, fat man roll. Uh, he attacks the he attacks the wrists uh, very actively too. Gets to the cage. He's very good at not getting taken down. But if you get him to the ground, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu can be a liability. Uh, we don't know much about that. We only see him like grapple in uh, precarious positions against like Habib and Oliveira. So some people like. Like believe that Justin Gagey doesn't know any jiu-jitsu at all. I think like he kind of panicked because of his lack of experiences those in those phases. But still uh, a liability for sure. And Fisiev, uh, Fisiev also likes to operate in neutral space. 
I mean, he can move forwards or back, but he's pretty comfortable in fighting in a in an almost like taking turns fight. Uh, Fisier mostly is like all the time like fainting and seeing what he gets. If he gets no reactions to his feints, he will like throw like lightning fast kicks, and he's very good from both legs and both stances. So one of the few guys that has like a beautiful switch kick from both switch kick and pendulum kick from both stances. If he gets a big reaction, he either waits for it to show again, or he can decide to attack in combination. If he gets a tactic response, he will try to make his opponent like miss and come back with key combinations. The thing with Fisiev is that always attacking very fast combinations. Uh, probably like he just like picks a combo and throws it. Uh, not a lot of adjustment on the fly once he throws the combinations because it knows like volume just works and he knows like he's putting like meaningful combinations together that are like high percentage. Uh, when defending, when in the counter, he usually like just worries about like making you miss or, or once. Like he will look to fade back or sleep a shot and then he just goes ham with his own combinations. He doesn't care much about what's next in your combination. And it usually works because he's fast and he's powerful and he can put you out of position with his own combinations. Uh, Fisiev is always pairing attacks. Uh, one of the samples of his game is doubling up from the same side, especially with kicks. It's very dangerous, but also like with the left hook or the right hook, depending on his stance. So that's very tricky because he, he messed with the timing and the rhythm of the guys during combos. Uh, he's very good at punching into kicks and kicking into punches that also makes him dangerous and spinning kicks and flying knees add variety and danger. Uh, the thing with Fisiev is that he can be susceptible to to being fainted back and then getting counter of his sentries because he throws most of his stuff like super hard. That and long range tools can be frustrating for him as he's not only like stalking for the division but he also like throws uh, his combos like in a very compact manner he doesn't like cover a lot of distance with his strikes he's very quick he's, he, with his feet and can get inside but once he's throwing the strikes are not very long in a fight that should be like warranted fireworks both fighters like to operate in similar ranges here uh, but the, the applications are very different I think Gage's best shot is to either like defend the, the strikes or make VCF miss to counter with the right hand or left hook and the leg kicks. Gagey being a good leg kicker, uh, I mean, Gagey being good at checking leg kicks uh, is going to help for sure in this. In this. Uh, he has the length and, and the footwork because he looks for angles on the retreat to give him like good windows of catching Fisiev with something big. On the other hand, Fisiev uh, would be wise to kick and punch to the body a lot because as I said, like Gagey, very good at uh, very good at the high guard, but the high guard uh, can expose the body, and we've seen that before in a lot of fights. And he needs to punish Keiji every time that he either like overcommits when he punches or when he misses a leg kick. Um, this one is like a very small margins fight. The variety and speed will be on Fisiev's side, but I think the durability and maybe the conditioning, because we've seen Fisiev like tire before, even though he showed very good gas tank in his Dos Anjos fight. Uh, so maybe those will be in Justin, Justin's corner. I tend to side with Fisiev, because his approach is like more sophisticated when it, and he's like more technically tight. He both guys throw very hard, but Fisiev doesn't lose position when throwing. Uh, Gage, you can catch him early for sure. Um, and also, Fisiev has like the bar, uh, the variety, and that can be trouble for Gage because Gage likes to make his reads, but it's hard to make harder to make reads when the guy the other guy is throwing like so much different stuff at you. Um, very hard to predict. I'm leaning Fisia by decision, but I'm not sure, man. This one should be fun, though. And with that, we get to the main event. Is the trilogy. Leon Edwards makes his his first title defense against Kamaru Usman. Uh, I won't go in and describe the game of both guys. Um, you, knows, you guys know who these guys are. 
you know, just saw the last fight. So I think Leon walks into this fight with a better shot at winning. I mean, we we saw him have success in a lot of different areas in the first fight, getting the takedown in the first round, then accomplishing a lot with kicks, and then finally ending the fight with the head kick. Um, and Usman also like has beaten Leon for like six rounds in their in their two fights, so he knows what he has to do. I really wanted to pick Leon on this one because I think he has the tools to complicate Usman, as we saw in the spots that he has won, you know, in both fights. But I don't know, man, it's hard. It's hard because uh, it's it's a matchup thing. I think uh, skill-wise, like they are very close, but Usman has the the advantage of just pushing to the cage, and Leon doesn't have to to have a lot of answers for that. Uh, one thing that Leon could do, I think, is grabbing more clinches and trying to pivot from there. Uh, Edwards, not not much of a pivoter when it comes to open space striking for some reason. So it, it has been pretty easy for Usman to push him back. So yeah, I think... And uh, Leon competed very well in the clinch against Usman. So I think he would... He should, for sure... Try to look for more like uh, proactive clinches, especially in open space where he can land like knees. Uh, we saw him land good knees and elbows on the first on on the first fight. Um, and if he uh, chooses the time from and the terms in which the clinch is happening, I think he will have a lot more success than if he allows Usman to dictate everything. Other than that, like. He needs to stay off the cage, man. Uh, I'm not sure if Leon can do that. Uh, I think he will have a, a better showing. Despite like winning the last fight, I think he will look better for most of the fight in this one. But I, I still think Usman is very problematic for him. I think Usman maybe fights scared. We don't know how he's going to react to this. Or maybe he will just go like ham, or maybe he, maybe Usman tried to smother in the clinch the whole fight and doesn't risk it as much in open space. Very hard to tell. I mean, it's close to a coin flip, but watching back the second fight, and it was, it was curious because I, I had the feeling that Usman was doing a lot more damage in the first, uh, the, when I watched live. And then during rewatch, it's like Usman didn't have a lot of the, like those big flurries against the cage. And other than the body shots, the flurries weren't that that accurate. Like he was he was winning the fight for sure. Don't get me wrong, he was doing more damage than Leon was on all of those in between rounds from the second to the fourth one, but. The, the damage differential in some of those rounds wasn't as big as I was thinking and that that gives Leon the window to, to win, of course. But it's hard, man. It's hard. I, I really want... I like Edwards. I think he's a cool fighter. I think if he can put together, it would be like a very huge win, even bigger than the first one because the first one obviously is a great show of not giving up and finding the spot, a clutch win. But... Not a good performance overall, I would say. I think Leon is capable of more than that, but but I'm not I'm not trusting him to do that. I I hope I'm wrong in this one, but I think Usman has to process, uh, has to like make a, a little bit of corrections. But I think the ability of Usman of pushing Edwards back to the fence with the jab and then just punish him there and take him down. It's it's too much for for me not to pick him. Um, Edwards can win for sure, but if I'm forced to pick and picks is what I do here, Usman by decision. That's the last word. All right. That all being said, that's all the fights. Um, now I'm going to answer some some questions of our of our patrons in the in the full preview. Uh, Discord chat. So, okay, um, Javi asked me, I'm sure you either already have answered or planned anyway, but aside from hitting him really fucking hard, what is Gage's best path to victory? And as I said, um, 
he needs to establish distance is one thing. Um, trying to like make Fisiv come to him and then look for angles to land like his big punches and then attack with the leg kicks in 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 close quarters. I think uh, I think Gaethje can outposition Fisiev at times and that's where he can be like the big punch that he needs to win the fight. I think um, overall Fisiev is probably the better striker, but Gaethje has some some unique tools to make. To put to good use in this one, uh, Melo asked me, "How many minutes do you think it will take for Americani to gas out?" I think he will be pretty wasted by the fourth minute of the first round. Jordan <laughs> uh, Simpioyer asked me, "Oh, he he's about the war." <laughs> Hi. He asked me what can the leads actually do to create the leg lock scramble position that he's won with lately. And I'm not sure. I, I think Vadori is pretty solid defending takedowns, but if he gets him like to his butt like uh like Hermanson did, he maybe like just go and sell out for the leg lock from there. Not sure how well prepared Vadori is going to be. Probably pretty well. He trains a lot with uh with Dariush, and Dariush is a, a strong leg lock guy, so I don't know. Uh, from guard, I think uh, he has his best, his best setups. Uh, I'm not sure if Vettori will follow him to the guard, or if he will come with the no grappling game plan. Hard to tell. But yeah, those are the, like, just like fail a single and sell out for, for half guard could be an option too. So yeah. Um, what else? Uh, CB344 asks uh, if Patori is the worst good fighter on the card. Um, maybe? Maybe I think it's close between like Patori and Jennifer Maya. I would say that those are like good fighters, but like not good, good compared to the other good fighters. I don't know. Um, Mokayev is still a prospect, but yeah, he's still in that awkward, like, I can just do one thing. So you don't know what happens if he gets denied uh, territory. Um, uh, CSG asks, uh, has VCF fought any opponents in MMA who are willing to kick with him? And that we have some semblance of a process behind that. And yeah, uh, <laughs> Brad Riddell, for sure. A uh, very good kicker, not as an active of, of a kicker as Fisia, but like very powerful and has like smart setups. Uh, Bobby Green didn't kick much in his fight against um, Fisia, but he has like an actual kicking game. I think uh, Green has also spent uh, time in Thailand. I'm not sure, but there's a lot of like traditional Muay Thai influence that show here and there for Bobby Green. Um, and those would be, and I think Fisier, uh, also like RDA, RDA a very good kicker, that was a lot of like open space and RDA land a lot of like open side kicks. And Fisier did too, like both guys are very hard and crafty with their, with their open stance kicking, so very different than the close stance kicking that is going to present itself in the, in the KG fight. But still like, I, I think he is pretty good at at dealing with kicks overall, I would say his kick defense is overall like higher than a lot higher than MMA average. So it will be interesting to see what KG does with that too. That like both guys will have to to deal with the kicks. Uh, I think KG looked pretty good dealing with the kicks of Barbosa, but I think uh, Fisiev uh, presents like a lot of different looks with the kicks, despite the similarities because you know like both like quick like switch kickers and the stuff. I think Fisiev is a lot more tricky with his variety, um, has more subtlety than Barbosa with his kicking game, I would say. And finally, Shriram asked me if Gunnar Nelson did get lucky winning against Cabo Oliveira and Jovan, and I would say just against Jovan. Like, Gunnar is pretty bad news for, for Cabo Oliveira always, I would say. Even though he was, it was rough, but I don't know. And uh, let's close it with my recommendations for fights on here. 
what fights you shouldn't miss, uh, be it for quality or for entertainment purposes. A fun fight uh, down in the prelims is going to be Jai Herbert versus Ludovic Klein. A fun fight between strikers, uh, one very uh, a lot of like height difference in this one. That's always like interesting to see. Uh, both guys are dangerous, so yeah, that that one should be fun. Um, Murphy versus Santos is going to be good. I think Murphy is better than Santos, but Santos is probably going to be game. This fight is going to be probably going to have a lot of like fun exchanges. Uh, Duncan versus Morales, because these guys are going to strike and they're going to hit each other hard. Um, so yeah, I mean, don't expect like super high, like yeah, high IQ on this one. I mean, not not saying that they are dumb fighters, but they are not that high level. But it's going to be like there are two guys that know how to strike and strike violently, so it's going to be fun. And yeah, and then, then the rest in the main card is pretty, pretty, pretty much everything is solid here. Uh, a little bit of like matches that are too in favor of the English fighters, I would say. But I think it, the whole card is good matchups, fun fights. And then we get to the top, and the top two are like top quality MMA, so I'm very excited for these ones. And that's it. Um, I'm going to finish my terrible energy drink right now and I'm going to leave. I'm going to edit this and upload it because I'm super late. I'm sorry guys, I, I'll try to, to get the podcast ready earlier for the next time. I appreciate your support very much. Love you all and see you on the next one.